Hey guys, welcome back. Today we're going to talk about the five addictions that everybody has but no one talks about. So when you ask people about addictions, the common response is to think of, of course, substance addictions, drugs, alcohol. And yeah, this gets the most attention, but also really doesn't affect that many people, all things considered. Now, the more accepted addictions to talk about now are things like porn, video games, screens, social media, food even. And this affects more people, but the kind of addiction that affects the most amount of people and nobody talks about, and not only that, but these, this kind of addiction is at the root of the other two kinds of addiction. And I speak of, you see it there, emotional addictions. Now we can argue all day about what an addiction is, what it's not. I'm more concerned about how you use your addiction, however you want to define it, how you use your addiction to soothe to soothe yourself when stress builds up when you mismanage emotion because that's what makes an addiction an addiction so your emotional loop takes this form there's five steps to it there's five steps and addiction is step four so there's three steps that come before addiction which indicates that addiction really isn't the problem it's the result of a problem it's something that you use to try to cover up or distract yourself from the problem and the problem forms in the first three steps so the first step is always healthy anger just some healthy need some desire that you have that you want to get met but because this is a neurotic loop we're going through you repress that with of course some kind of unhealthy anxiety that's what does the repressing then as a result of this you find yourself isolated physically psychologically otherwise of course you're isolated because you you're you know you're not being honest you're not being open about what your healthy needs are and with isolation comes shame the affect not the emotion but the affective shame i would call it and then of course you know steps one through three here this is stressful this builds up over time and so you need a way to relieve the stress maybe not so much relieve the stress because a lot of addictions add stress but at least distract yourself from the stress of repressing your healthy anger and then the shame and the isolation that comes from that so you need an addiction then as the result of the first four steps there is a belief that you have about yourself the world and this belief since it's a loop of course this belief informs how you repress your healthy anger so that's how addiction works there's five common emotional addictions and let's just uh, go through those now these are just popular ones that i see this is how i conceptualize it maybe you would put it in a different way but i just want to explain to you what's going on here the first one the most popular by far at least today is victimhood often with this victimhood you get things like self-pity uh, struggle addiction like always struggling against something that you can't really overcome right there's some abuser there's some victimizer out there that is keeping you down popular victimizers are today at least are the government racism men if you're a woman woman if you're a man right and you're in a prison that's what victimhood is about it's been about being in a prison what you know, it doesn't feel good again it doesn't have to feel good all it has to do is be a powerful emotional state that is familiar to you 
with another example of emotional addiction, we'll, we'll talk about how these form. I think it fits better with another example. <clears throat> so it, it doesn't have to feel good, just familiar. Right. And the prison, of course, is your inability to see how your abuser, how your victimizer is a reflection of of who you are, right? Nobody's attracted to violence more than abused women, right? Deep state, you know, this, uh, this idea of the government, this bureaucratic class out there is a concoction of a certain kind of mentality. I would say more like a stoic bro, uh, red pill guy who represses his anxiety so much, so must necessarily, uh, project it out onto the government out there. And look, I'm not saying that the deep state doesn't exist. Of course, there's a bureaucratic class out there. All I'm saying is, you know, what affects you more? The deep state, you know, some bureaucrat in Washington or your own lack of healthy relationship with your emotions, you know, your unconscious emotions, you know, it's no question. Uh, you know, same thing with corporatism. Um, you know, this is a this is all the result, you know, directly even I would say of like the liberal fear of business and the free market. Of course, I'm not the first one to say this, but the one who cries racist the loudest is often the most racist. I think of, um, I want to say Beverly D'Angelo, Robin D'Angelo, who wrote that book about uh, white racism. And I didn't, I didn't read it, but I know an example from that book is she shows up to a party where everybody is black and then she gets scared and using that as an example of white racism. Like, mm, I don't know. That sounds like your racism that you're projecting out onto everybody else. And of course, I'm not saying that racism doesn't exist, but again, like the deep state, what affects you more, whether somebody else is racist or whether you you know, you mismanage your emotions to such a, a terrible degree that you can't even have a healthy relationship, you know, with, with your mom or dad. So that's victimhood. Uh, the second common emotional addiction I see is self. Righteousness. Often seen as rage, hopelessness is a big part of self-righteousness because you're right, but you can't, you know, nobody can see how right you are. You can't connect with everybody. There's um, uh, maybe an angst is a more anxiety riddled form of self-righteousness. And look, I, uh, this is the one I know a lot about because this was my addiction um, for a long time. You know, I had the life of a drug addict. I would move around a lot, um, not able to hold on to money, not able to hold on to a job or relationship to any real degree. <clears throat> and then I went to therapy. I realized, oh, wait, actually I am an addict. I'm addicted to being self-righteous. What I do is I architect my life in a way where I am much more likely to receive this hit of, of self-righteousness. And you know what? What makes it tricky, like the deep state and racism, is I'm right is oftentimes I'm right, especially if it's a subject that I know a lot about and I'm talking about it, I'm probably going to be right. But that doesn't excuse the fact that I use however right I may think I am as a distraction from other people, as an excuse to isolate myself from other people and tell myself how much uh, better I am, you know, th than other people. Um, so another kind of addiction here that is popular is relief. And I know you have one of these addictions, if not all five, because there is a lot of relationship with all these. Like, obviously, victimhood can go along with self-righteousness. It melds in very well. And relief is, well, something could, something bad could have happened, but it, but it didn't. 
right? Often this, the t this takes the form of validation and approval, which of course are clear compensations of not managing your emotional life. Like I can get my healthy needs met. I repress those. I, I may repress those to the extent I don't even know they exist, but a good compensation for that is, you know, I can't approve myself. I'll get you to approve of me. I'll get your validation. And this can also look like the avoidance of invalidation where a lot of this relief comes from. Like, oh, I could have been, I was in a situation where I could have been invalidated, but I repressed my emotions and worked on manipulating your emotions. Manipulating is the next one. It's, it's, you know, again, there's some overlap here. And then that's my relief right? from not getting, from avoiding a potential catastrophe. This often looks like going after scraps, like a bottom feeder mentality of, uh, you know, I'm happy. I'm, I'm happy with whatever the, uh, it could always be worse mentality. This is why I harp on gratitude lists as, as a huge factor in repression out there. Cause I think 95% of the time when I see people making gratitude lists, this is what they're doing. They are rationalizing going after scraps. They're, they're, they're saying, Hey, at least my life, you know, could be worse. Of course, gratitude is a beautiful emotion. I want you to experience it, but I want you to cultivate it on a genuine level. And the only way to get genuine gratitude is to get your own needs met in a healthy way. And with relief, we can see more how emotional addiction, any kind of addiction, you know, I call emotional addiction, the secondary emotional payoff. We can see how it develops because it develops in a time in your life when you're a child, where, when you can't get your needs met on your own. Now that you're an adult, you can, of course, get your needs met on your own by communicating with other people in a healthy way. That's usually how you go about doing it. But when you're a child, you need help doing that. And when you look out at the adults around you, maybe it's your parents, they have their own issues, or teachers, they don't seem to care. Um, right? You need their help to get your needs met, but you don't do that so your adaptive state, and it is adaptive when you're eight, nine, or 10 to, to give yourself a sense of relief or moral superiority or victimhood or self-righteousness because we see homeostasis biologically and of course, psychologically. And that, that addiction develops early. It's a very powerful thing. So it's inveterate. It's difficult to get out. Now that you're an adult, you are able to get your needs met on your own, but you still have that addictive state. And that's how these things develop. So the first thing you got to do is just notice what you're doing to yourself. Um, notice that though you may be right, you're also giving yourself a hit of self-righteousness so you can disconnect from other people. But um, yeah, so the fourth uh, common emotional addiction I see is, uh, as I indicated, manipulation. Well, I can't have my own emotions. I don't know what that means to have my own emotions or to feel connected to somebody else through how I, my genuine feelings. Now I communicate that. So what I do is I just show up in a relationship and push your buttons, get you to do what I want or get you to avoid certain emotional states. <clears throat> and you know, you can't have, you can't manipulate without being manipulated yourself. Um, like red pill guys, like they'll, they'll, they'll run game on a girl and it'll work, right? They go up and they push their buns, they can get her into bed and it works, right? It supposedly works. And then they wonder why they end up with borderline personality disorder girl, BPD girl, which I would put on a spectrum. You know, there's BPD, narcissism, codependence, and that descending order of, of severity. And they, they wonder why they end up with BPD girl, right? It's like, yeah. 
you you think you're manipulating her and you are but as you're manipulating her she's manipulating you in fact you can't even manipulate somebody without manipulating yourself because all the only reason why you're manipulating somebody in the first place is because of uh, your this difficulty with your own healthy anger and, and how you repress it and then the last emotional addiction that i see is deprivation Emotional deprivation I talk about, but this can also spill over into food deprivation, money deprivation, anorexia, under-earning, um, under-achievement. Yeah, so anorexia is the result of this, which kind of indicates like a huge misunderstanding we have about how to keep young girls from becoming anorexic, because we think it's about the food. I know the food's just one symptom of deprivation. We go, oh, yeah, this young girl, she grew up with her mom, and her mom was always on some diet and was always futzing over food, and that's why this young girl has anorexia. Well, that, that's not really true. The mom was in a state of emotional deprivation herself and took it out on food, which is more likely for a woman to do. You know, it's more important for a woman's figure to look a certain way, you know, biologically. Sorry, that's just how it is. And that young girl's responding really to that state of deprivation. Which is why, right, how we're trying to treat anorexia is, is having the, you know, it's, it's all a compensation. Oh, don't be discerning about food. Don't be discerning about what you eat or how much you weigh. You can eat whatever you want. It's okay. No, that, that causes the, the compensation, which of course is indulgence. And often with deprivation, you get indulgence because you can't divide, deprive yourself forever, right? There's always a compensation for that. You, uh, purge, but you, but you binge and you binge and purge. <clears throat> it happens in a bunch of different ways. But usually with deprivation comes a feeling of moral superiority. That's usually what bolsters the deprivation is you just think you're better than everybody else. Like, yeah, you're right. Like, oh, look at that douchebag out there, how he's shamelessly marketing himself. Does he have no sense of decency? That's just all like a compensation that, that, that moral superiority is a, a way to bolster your your own sense of deprivation and with the indulgence side of deprivation comes emotion of comes moral disgrace like oh i'm such a piece of crap look at me i'm terrible again addictions don't have to feel good all they have to do is be powerful emotional states that that you're familiar with and you can put yourself in as a way to distract yourself from engaging from how you don't engage in the world in a healthy way um so that's one way to look at addiction here, um, right? Addiction isn't the problem, right? It's just a way to soothe yourself from from the problem. And regardless of where you are on the uh, addiction spectrum, because um, it is a spectrum, there, there's a bunch of gradations to, to addiction. Well, regardless of where you are, um, you know, I can help. We do free consultations, joinanimous.com slash schedule. The first thing we need to do is get really clear about your uh your loop here i put it in vague terms here you gotta get really specific put it in terms that mean something to you so you can begin to see it and as you begin to see it well first you got to talk through it in a healthy way you got to practice doing that then you can start to see it become aware of it and as you become aware of it it begins to change and as it changes the addiction will tend to take care of itself or at least want to get you to the place where you are able to address the addiction 
directly because right now you know you, you probably can stop drinking for three weeks but then you go back to it it's fine you're just not in the place you're just not at the psychological plinth from which you can address that issue but that's the point of therapy is to get you there joinanimus.com slash schedule uh, thank you guys remember you are different uh, from a drug addict but not by enough for it to matter <laughs>